My father passed away this year, and when his health started to rapidly decline, I tried to buy a ticket to come up and see him before he went, and unfortunately, he passed before I could get there. And I didn't know what to do, but I decided to go up to Vancouver anyway and bring my recording equipment and try to talk to some of the people who knew him better than I knew him. Because we had a relationship, but in many ways, he was a stranger. And the trip was pretty exhausting. It was nice to hear from people who loved him. It was hard to hear from people who were disappointed in him. In some ways, I'm disappointed in him. But on my way back, I got stuck in Seattle. And I heard the worst news you could hear after you're exhausted and just really want to get home. Yeah, that's the sound of my plane getting delayed, and I was just beat and exhausted and sad. My dad died, and Hella Humans has been hard as hell to keep going, and I just started aimlessly walking. I had nothing better to do, and then I heard something healing. I heard something you don't normally hear in an airport, which is live music, and I just walked right up to it, and I grabbed a chair, and I parked myself in front of the musician, and this is me meeting today's guest for the first time, right in the middle of the Seattle airport. Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? In the giant within my heart, above. Can I sail through the changing? like I was looking into the eyes of family. I didn't just see a musician. I saw somebody on the same artistic journey that I'm on. Someone fighting for their dream, showing up, someone who's tired. And I just sat and marveled in this moment that someone who I don't know could be providing me with so much wholeness for a moment. That's how we met. A performer and one guy in a chair in front of her in the airport with hundreds of people walking by and somehow being able to feel so alone amongst them. But together, we had each other and we were no longer alone. And we talked and we cried and we talked about how messy life can be and how hard it can be to artists. And there's a lot I could say about J.R. Rhodes, but I just want to let one of her songs introduce her and then jump into our conversation, which I consider a love letter to other artists. When I think of you, I get beside myself, have to remind myself, your sweet freedom. For you, I don't want to lose what I've got But I'm lost in parts when I'm not who I am
I go inside myself Have to remind myself You're sweet Freedom For you here yeah it's a trip though some days you don't hear anything really yeah and then some days it's all crows i was waiting outside for 10 minutes and it was what? just like a bird sanctuary out there where right out here oh i got here a little up. early oh yeah yeah i i like to like show up at the time uh-huh. it's one of my little weird things that's cool it's like i would never dare show up five minutes early I like ring the doorbell as it like turns. Oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> we all have our things. Yeah. So, Jr., thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Thanks for inviting me to your home, which may- always makes it easy, so I don't have to find a place for us to record. Yeah, you're welcome. I like to start just by having the guests introduce themselves, mm-hmm. and so this could be as big or as little of a question as you would like. But who are you? I was born Jennifer Lynn Rhodes. I go by J.R. Rhodes. I think of myself as a musician that is focused on broadcasting love and compassion to the world. You know, it's basically it. Pretty simple, but not necessarily easy. That's how you, that's how you view your purpose? Oh, yeah. So I guess I'll just jump right in. How often do you remind yourself what you're here to do? <laughs> Daily. I don't always believe my reminders, you know, I work on believing the reminders. I just do my best, but yeah. That's why I ask. I'm in season of change for sure. Mm-hmm. Wounds are healing and I'm starting to operate kind of at a, a higher, I would say, I guess more normal, not damaged level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a lot of things kind of go in autopilot while I was healing. Right. And so there was a lot of things that were just okay. It was kind of like, hey, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But mm. now that I'm starting to feel like I'm stepping back into myself, there's a lot of, okay, let's let's take a look at what we got. And right. Kind of reassessing the purpose, my purpose, mm-hmm. why I'm doing this program in particular right. has been coming up. And it's, right. I, I guess I, I would love to connect with it on a on a daily moment by moment basis but it doesn't always work that way mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. All right. right i'd love to tell people how we met so yeah my father passed away this year and i actually i went up to vancouver to try to see him but he passed away a day before i could get there and i, I had already bought the ticket and so i just instinctually 
started getting in touch with everybody I knew who knew him and brought my recording equipment mm-hmm. and just decided to record conversations with people mm-hmm. who knew him. And it started with his late wife and then his best friend. And, you know, these are people who knew him as a adventurer. And mm-hmm. um, by the sounds of it, he, you know, he was a good husband, which wasn't always the case, you know, right. but it seems like in this last marriage, like there's a lot of love there. And mm-hmm. it ended with me coming down to Seattle to talk to my half brother and half sister. Mm-hmm. And they had a, they loved him, but they had a different experience. Like, like I had a very complicated experience with my father, which mm-hmm. was that, you know, he wasn't around for us. Right. And he left their, he left their mother to raise them. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, all the adventurer and hero stuff kind of faded away. Right. And so I was returning back to San Francisco sad. Mm-hmm. Sad in a way like when you hear that you're related to a great person, mm-hmm. you kind of feel like imbued with their greatness in right. a way like th- that blood runs through me. Right. And I find out that my dad shirked a lot of his responsibilities and, mm-hmm. you know, didn't step up in a lot of ways. It's just... It, it weighed on me in a way that it shouldn't. Where it mm-hmm. felt like, oh, that that is flowing through me. And um, then I ran into you. <laughs> and you were the Seattle Airport featured artist, right? Mm-hmm. What's the actual thing called? Uh, Something like It's that. through gigs for you. Yeah, they're different yeah. players throughout the airport. Mm-hmm. And you were just playing for people walking by. Mm-hmm. And I have a soft spot for people who play publicly. Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to show up to a room full of people who came for you. And it's another just to play for the sake of playing. And if somebody connects with it, that's what you're there for. And we connected. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure what it was, but we just had a moment where you kind of, I felt like as a artist, I knew right away that you and I were in a similar boat together. We both started crying a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a recognition of, of kind of where we are and our artistic vision or artistic journey. And on the program, I've had a lot of people who have been fortunate enough and talented enough to kind of get to that place where everybody goes, you've made it. Right. There's lessons to be learned from that. And it's, there's great stories and it's always great to hear when people come out on top. But I think there's also something useful in talking to somebody who is closer to the the path of where things aren't given Mm -hmm. and the future isn't certain Mm -hmm. and your legacy isn't fully written yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Grateful to be here. It's really wonderful to reconnect, Sam. It really is. It's very special for me. So JR, tell us, is that what you go by? Mm Mm-hmm. I do. Okay. Because there were so many Jennifers growing up. Like, yeah. You just like, if you were like three Jennifers in school, it's like, okay, Jennifer, 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 you're going to be Jennifer, Jenny, or Jen. And so you just like, okay, whatever, I'm going to decide. It's JR. So tell me about the story of the artist journey so far. I'd love to know how you got here. Let's say like in middle school. Yeah, I was writing poems and they always had a melody and I would remember the melody through middle school. And, um, I'm an introvert, and so I I spent a lot of time alone. And I still do. Like, I find solace in solitude. So I would write these poems, and they had melodies to them in my head. And then that was middle school. And then um, in high school, I I just started teaching myself how to read and write music. I'd get different instruments and teach myself how to play bass and help a guitar, piano, just basically just so I could get a sense and hear how all the different instruments interacted. But what brought me there on an emotional level is just like, you know, I think the details are necessarily important, but I have a background in abuse growing up. And so it was my way of processing things, healing myself, taking care of myself, and making sense of the world through through creating music. Yeah, music is my best friend. It's it's saved my life. It saves my life every day, I would say. I mean, it's it's the air I breathe, you know. You know, I kind of 
went deep inside, you know, to make sense of the world through music. And so I just study, study, study. I'd stay home. And my mom would actually beg me to go out <laughs> to socialize, you know. <laughs> She's like, come on, girl, you know. Cause I, and even if when I went out, I'd go to parties and I'd be in the corner reading a dictionary, literally, like reading. <laughs> a dictionary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like reading a dictionary. I'd be like, what are you doing? And it's like, anyway, so just... I was shy and I mean, I'm an introvert as well, but I was really shy back then. And so, cause of studying, I always went to really good schools. I'd get scholarships and then I was fortunate enough to get, to go to Wesleyan University. And that's the first time I ever got to play out in public. And it was, it was a women's singer songwriters collective. And somebody invited me to be in this group. I don't remember who. And the deal was you, We'd all sit down. We all sat down in a circle and go around and share a song. I was so determined to share and open up. That was the first time I shared my music with with people. I was so shy and introverted that, like, I turned my back. I stayed in the circle, but I turned physically turned myself around and closed my eyes, and I sang. I shared my song with the group. And it was a beautiful experience. I'll always remember because I felt so, um, I just, I felt seen. And um, that group is called the Women Singer Songwriters Collective. And I'm actually still in touch with one of my friends. She, we actually shared a show recently. And um, yeah, it was wonderful. It was a group of us girls and we play coffee houses throughout campus and support each other. You know, creatively we'd hang out. And so after that, I... I sp- I went a year and spent in London after I graduated from Wesleyan with a degree in music composition because my family was like, well, what are you going to do with that degree? You know, are you going to teach it? You know, they're just trying to map my life out. And I was like, peace out. And I like, I worked on a fishing boat and I decided I was going to, and I earned a big wad of cash. From a season? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day, you could make money. You, I, I don't think. Yeah, it's not as lucrative as it used to be. But yeah, and so it was like for three months, it's like six hours on, six hours off. It's as a processor, it was pretty intense. And I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. I mean, I'll never do it again, but like it's a really interesting experience um, for three months. But I was just going to, from there, I came back and I was packing up to leave. To just, I just really wanted to move, live in England. I just always felt drawn to it. And um, my girlfriend, one of my best friends from, you know, Wesleyan, she's like, Stephanie, Stephanie Donahue. Our birthdays are day apart. My birthday's April 1st. Hers is the 2nd. <laughs> so she's like, you know, she tried to convince me to move to New York after college, but I was just like, no. But she's like, if you leave the country without coming through New York, because she did move to New York. She's like, I, I I'm pretty sure I won't speak to you again. <laughs> so like, I was like, okay. So like, I was like, so, you know, I, I went and hung out with her. It was during the holidays. So it was like, it's like around Christmas and I didn't know anybody. I was just bought my ticket and I was moving to London, you know, or England, wherever I landed. And um, with my big wad of cash from the fishing boat, and, you know, as it turns out, thanks to Stephanie, we, we, um, she's like, oh, let's go to this party, you know. And um, it turns out this woman, her name's Kathy. Year before, she moved from London to New York. And she's like, you're doing what? You're moving to London and you don't know anybody? I was just like, well, yeah. <laughs> she's like, she like shook her head, smiled, and she like, she took my hand and she led me into her bedroom and she goes into this drawer and she pulls out this address book and she just starts writing down names and numbers. She goes, if you need anything, and even if you don't need anything, just, just call. You've got a list of, of people. And it was, it was wonderful. That's how I got, that's how I landed in, in London. You know, I got to hang out with a bunch of beautiful artists who study at the Royal Academy of Art. And, um, and so I got to be behind the scenes. They have this whole student center. They have their they're different. Um, they're like artist spaces, and they have a communal center where they're all the professors and the teachers hang out and just talk about art. It was such a beautiful experience, and I got to play a little bit of music. But 
I was really freaked out about money and I didn't have didn't have a working visa. So eventually I ran out of money and I just came back home. And and then when I did come back home, I got to meet a bunch of people like from Edith Raquel and the New Bohemians and Pearl Jam people and Nirvana people and just got to hang out and make music with people that I really admire and that I learned from, you know. So it's just been a really windy road, you know. I feel pretty grateful. I tend to luck out and meeting people. And so flash forward to last year, I got to play Benaroya Hall like twice, you know, and that just trips, that still trips me out. Like I got to um, January, I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. I got invited to write a song for, from Nikki Giovanni's new book called A Good Cry. And she was there, you know, and she loved the song. I was just like, what? You know, complete out-of-body experience to hear one of your sheroes say like, JR, you know, I really enjoyed your song. You know, she just stopped what she was doing and just made a point to share that with me. And then like a few months after, so that was January of last year. And then October of the same year last year, I was invited back to do the same, to write a song. And this time for Alice Walker. And I mean, I just, I'm just surprised, you know, I'm just, life is, I mean, I cry just thinking about it. It's just, and then she was, you know, I, you know, I, I grew up with Alice Walker. I mean, both of them, but Alice Walker, man, that was, that was a trip. Um, yeah, she was waiting backstage with her arms wide open to give me a hug after I played. And that was really, that was wonderful. I mean, I didn't really get that, you know. Uh, I didn't really get that growing up, like, do music. You know, when I went to Wesley and I got my scholarships, it was just like, okay, so you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. You know what I mean? It was just like, well, I'm going to do music. So that was like, I felt like a little girl. Yeah. Gratitude right now is so contagious for me. You know, it's actually making me think about so many little moments like that that I've had. Yeah. Where it just seems like for a second until the bills and everything comes back, but for a second it all fades away and you realize how far you've come. Yeah. Even if it's just a personal, you know, like a lot yeah. of my achievements aren't things that I get to like post on a LinkedIn, you know. Right. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes my achievement is like still here, you know, right. still creating. Right. Beautifully said. Yeah. And I, I love, I love the gratitude coming from you right now. And I, I appreciate that you're aware that there is a, a element of like just things working out. But I also, I speak to a lot of people that are at the stepping off point, you know. What do you mean by that? Like the the point where they they haven't quite stepped into their artistic voice or their uh -huh. they're still kind of dancing around the edge of it mm -hmm. and as a I was a shy kid too but as a shy kid who came from early abuse uh -huh. uh, as as you mentioned like the world just wasn't a safe place right right and I would love to talk if you can remember about that that leap or that that trust of the direction mm -hmm. to because i mean how many people do you know that have something in their heart that they just can't bring themselves to do how did you find your your voice how do you how did you start to make the world a safe place for you to to be the artist who you are today or continue to make the world a safe place for yourself uh i do, i'm still working on the safe place part i mean it's kind of a toxic cocktail. I kind of, when I think about how I grew up, it's like I'm an empath, I'm an introvert, I'm soft-spoken, I'm an African-American female. It's like, and then there's the abuse factor, right? So like my primary language of love is touch and being with people, you know? And so to have that violated, it just shut me down. You know what I mean? It yeah. shut me down. And so um, I've 
had to work really hard to feel safe. It's taken me quite some time to even believe that I exist, that I'm real, if that makes any sense. Uh I mean, because there are no, or at least it's, I mean, I I really have to look for people that are role models for somebody like me. And, you know, I'm, I'm a yin girl, you know, there, there are lots, it took me a long time to get that part too, because there because I grew up with my mom and my sisters, so I always just assumed that women had each other's backs. And by yin, I mean like, you know, it's a yin-yang thing, you know, and I think the world is so enamored with the yang factor. You know, I mean, I, there are days I just feel so tired. It seems like everybody's yelling and yelling over each other. And it's like, so that's the yang. And I, you know, I'm my purpose is to, to inject more yin to bring things back into balance and you know yin isn't necessarily recognized compassion you know listening um sitting still being you and me being together do you know what i mean it's just like people are so busy wanting to be entertained and and too busy being busy instead of being and yeah finding my voice is just like there was no choice even though it's challenging for me, it's always, for some reason, it's like I've always known that, you know, my purpose is to inspire people to choose their lives. That's the phrase that's that's always been with me for some reason, to inspire people to choose their lives. And I feel like if I had my way, I would stay here home and I would be looking out on my deck and I would stay in solitude. But that wasn't the contract that was written on my heart for whatever reason. And so, you know, how did I find my voice? My voice found me, you know, and, you know, music has just saved my life basically. And it's, it's kind of like the contract, you know, (laughs) I get to be your best friend and guess what? You got to give, pay it forward. You got to give it back. And so I'm doing my best to make sense out of it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't have the answers. It's just, I just know that I'm supposed to do the work. Yeah. You know, I don't think you should look around for answers. I think you should look around for inspiration. You should listen for answers. I've been self-help and spiritual seeker at least since I've been sober. I I do Mm -hmm. think that I was still that person when I was an addict. Right. The more I dive into, the more I realize that there's no answers out there. There's inspiration. When I hear somebody who is like a teacher or a guru, and they're telling me the answer, what I've come to realize is, is it's, I'm, there's something deep in me that is recognizing its own self, but that that's where it is. And if you have gone into cycles like me, where you're kind of going from teacher to teacher to teacher, looking for this solution mm-hmm. to your life, mm-hmm. eventually you realize that it's not out there. Or that all the solutions that you found were were in you from the beginning and you just needed that inspiration. And you, you said something that struck a chord with me, struck a nerve, I should say, with me, which you said, I had no choice. But I don't think that's giving yourself quite enough credit because you did have a choice. I mean, you had a choice to let yourself be destroyed. When I met you in the airport, it was like looking into a mirror where I saw somebody who was tired and I saw somebody who was exhausted right. and I saw somebody who still had the damn guitar in her hand right. and who was still going. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And that is. Yeah, it was a hard day. <laughs> that was a hard day. That was a hard day. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind me asking what was going on? Because it was a hard day for me, too. Yeah. I just kind of. It's going through the imposter syndrome and wondering what's next for me and creatively and, you know, yeah. I mean, that's why I really enjoy the airport gigs because it's, it's a beautiful lesson and, you know, sitting in the question of like, why do I create, right? Because like you say, you're sitting there. It's not like there's a built-in audience, you know, it's like people will walk by, people will like, even like interrupt you. I had this woman, <laughs> she like, I, I stopped playing because she looked, I was just like, oh my God, you know, she really has something to say to me. Mid song, I stop and I go, can I help you? You know, said <laughs> the airport. And she goes, excuse me, is that your phone? <laughs> <laughs> she, like, she like, 
lost her phone and she was freaking out. She had probably had to catch her flight. And it was like, I was in a Seinfeld episode. I was just like, this is surreal. No judgment. I was just like, wow, that's amazing. She wanted to call herself? She, no, she lost her phone. And my phone looked like hers and my phone was sitting right next to me, right there. And so she interrupted me. She interrupted me to ask me if that was my phone. I was like, wow, that's amazing. So you get, you know, it's just like, okay. So it's like, I love the airport gigs because it's 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 just not about ego. It's like, why am I doing this? I'm doing this to to broadcast love and compassion to the world, even if some woman's going to interrupt me and ask me for her phone. Is that my phone? You know? And then you have connections like we had. I'm like, wow, that's... That's that was that was beautiful. I mean, that was surreal. Yeah, that was a moment. I I have a terrible memory, and I don't know if it's from all the stuff that I put my brain through. But that's yeah. a moment I don't think I'll ever forget. That moment in the airport. Yeah, it was wonderful. Where I I can walk around. I don't always see how connected I am to everyone else. Mm-hmm. I can walk around and see strangers. Right. And when you meet somebody that is vibing your language and speaking your language and then at for in our case you were you were singing songs that were i i don't even know if i was specifically paying attention to the lyrics it was just Mm -hmm. the mood of it was speaking to something within me Mm -hmm. that's what i hope that this program is about Mm. is to have moments like that with other people right you know who or may or may not get to meet one day Mm -hmm. but to have that just connectedness and right yeah now that you mentioned that you were having those thoughts of like questioning like what you're doing and Mm -hmm. what what you're creating and if you're supposed to be creating like i'm navigating that same space Mm kind of always i think i don't know if that's ever Mm -hmm. if that's like some thing to overcome or if that's something to learn to walk with right but i I was in that space too and so that reprieve that you gave me, mm-hmm. you know, you gave me a moment to breathe and catch myself and see somebody else who is also doing the deal. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to this interview. It's different because all, all I got to do is listen to your music mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. kind of draw my own meaning from it. And one of the things that I loved is the the longing that's in a lot of the songs. Mm-hmm. And especially, I don't know, I surround myself with some people that kind of are always trying to find balance and trying to find center. And it can get, it's just refreshing sometimes to hear somebody who's openly like, yeah, I want something. Mm -hmm. And where do you write from? How do you connect to, to your spirit that's trying to broadcast the love, as you would say? I think it was like a meditation, really. Like, um, and each song is its own creation, you know, it's its own deal, it has its own message. I used to think that my songs were my children, and I've come to see now that, like, I am my, I am the child of my songs, because <laughs> they all teach me something, you know, it's just like, wow, how arrogant have I been for years, it's like, they're my children, it's like, because I'll write songs, and there'll be a message. They just come through me. You know, I, I just need to listen. When I listen, they come through me. And there's songs that I've written and the message of the song, I didn't get till years later. You know mm. what I mean? So there's an ego buster for you there. You know, it's just like, you know, just to go show me that like, I, I'm simply a messenger, right? I wrote a song, for example, for my little sister, it was right before she passed away. And, you know, she never got to hear the song. It's called Afro Queen Stare. I love that song. Oh, thank you. Oh. Yeah. It's for Susan, my little sister. And we she was my first best friend, you know. She's just a really funny person. She's like my first lesson in compassion and I didn't even know the word for compassion because Susan was like she was so funny. I mean, like she's two years younger than me and she was so funny and just so she never met a stranger. And she's really glamorous. And she'd go shopping with her friends and like they would be like, Where's Susan? It's like Susan would be like off somewhere hanging out with a homeless person, having a really in depth, heart to heart 
conversation. She was real. And she was just so just dimensional, just funny, spiritual, and just, and glamorous. I mean, and just so compassionate. And um, yeah, my mom had to actually go down to the school, high school, right? And talk to each of her teachers, right? And tell them like, you cannot pass my daughter just because you love her. She's got to earn this, right? That's Susan. So like I wrote Queen Stare for her. She gave up on the world. She was going to be a writer. She really wanted to be a writer. And um, anyway, she was found drowned about a couple days after I wrote this song. And so when I sing it, I, you know, when I was writing, you're asking me about my process. When I was writing it, it was like a meditation because I just sat, I had my guitar. I remember exactly where I was. We lived, I lived in on Fauntleroy's other side of West Seattle. Sitting in the living room, it was a really beautiful day. The sun was coming through the shades and I sat on the couch, had my guitar and I just, this riff just came through my fingers and I just kept playing it over and over again. And I just kept thinking about my sister, you know, and I just remember the first time I saw her and, you know, she was a little baby and the song just came pouring through me. That song came. It's one of, you know, I love it. You know, you kind of get spoiled when they just come through you. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah. It's like, oh, well, and then you have songs that hang out for you like years, you know, 20 years. Some of them is like, what? And But that song came through in like a, an afternoon. And uh, it just came through love, really. I mean, I mostly write, There's, I just listen to melodies. I hear melodies. And um, they all come differently. That one came all at once. Sometimes they come with like lyrics first, melody first, and then, yeah, sometimes they come with lyrics first, sometimes it's the melody, but I love it when they just come through. It's like you just feel completely connected. It's a mystery to me, Sam, you know? I think my work is to to learn as much theory that I can as I can to listen to as much as I can and and then so when I listen for these melodies or they come to and through me then I can I can capture it and broadcast it so it's it's totally a mystery but my part is to is to be a student you try to make sure that you have the tools for the Right. To serve the purpose. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I used to have a, a little morning, I don't know if you call it prayer, because it wasn't really to a deity or anything, but somebody just told me I could write my own prayer, and so I did. Oh, nice. <laughs> and maybe I should get back in the habit of that. But I had a line in it that said, let me challenge myself physically, intellectually, and creatively so I can be stronger, smarter, and more useful to my purpose. I love that. You're a working artist. Uh-huh. how do you stay in it? How do you stay in the survival dance where things are so uncertain at times? And like, I know for me, it's tax season. You uh-huh. know? And right. I would love to say that I've been doing it all right and saving for taxes, but I haven't. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's one of the things that sucks the air out of me sometimes. Oh, right. You know, it's uh-huh. just to think about certain bills that come up or... Uh-huh. How do you stay in the dance? How do you remind yourself? It's a balance, right? Because it can really impact your art. How do you stay in that survival dance and keep putting yourself in, in, in places to get opportunity and keep writing and keep mm-hmm. producing and keep even mm-hmm. even when you feel like mm-hmm. quitting or you feel defeated by s- something looming Mm-hmm. Like taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I love the expression on your face right there. <laughs> like taxes. How do you keep going? I don't know. I just actually, I I, I have no answers around that right now. I'm actually challenged by that right now. Yeah. Um. And what I what I focus on lately is, you know, I just started practicing yin yoga and definitely, you know, meditation because it reminds me to live from the inside out. Because when I get in my self-doubt mode, my I'm feeling like, a, you know, the imposter syndrome, it's like I'm focused too much on what the world is shouting, what culture is attempting to dictate, you know. 
And so those tools help me. I mean, it can be stressful. But like I lately, and another thing I do is I keep, I call it the book of miracles. I write down magic that happens to me throughout the day. So when I have rough days where I'm doubting myself, I like look in there, you know, and definitely meeting you was one of those magic moments, you know, it's just like, oh, oh, it's, it's just, there's so many beautiful things that happen when we live from the inside out, you know, and so that book of miracles, I call it, reminds me, it's just like, oh, you know, the key focus on that for that is, for me, is to remember the feeling, how I was feeling, you know, how I was living, how I was showing up in the world when that magic happened. And so it reminds me that when those moments have happened, I was in a place where I was living from the inside out. Like I just believed, like I just believed in the knowing that everything is somehow okay. Even though the world may be shouting another version for whatever reasons, typically, you know, <laughs> you know, people trying to drum up fear so that people open their wallets and, you know, or, you know, give their energy to whatever their cause is. It's like whenever I'm living from the inside out, it's just amazing. You know, so I would say those three things specifically keep me going. And also remembering like just beautiful relationships. I just feel so grateful for the people in my life, you know. That is one hell of a, a ritual. I think I'm actually going to borrow parts of that. Uh, I know it's open source, though. I know it's okay for me. <laughs> but no, uh, It's I, trademarked. The I book have, Miracles. <laughs> I have a... Um, yeah, I, I have a folder where I save every single thing somebody's told me about, uh, taking the time to reach out to me about my work. Most of them are, are glowingly positive, but I also keep a few in there, you know, too, where people are just like, it's not, I don't keep, you know, belligerent hate. Right. I kept one to really, keep it, to remind me. <laughs> right. More so, uh, I, I mostly keep it for when, when other people get hate mail, I'll send them my hate mail. And I'll be like, you can read this, check, you know, uh, this happened years ago. And those people, sometimes speak more for my spirit than my spirit's able to. Hmm. And with your book of miracles, I could see how it's like, they're like these fragments of your, your spirit that right. can help remind you what's true. I hate that when you get in those dark places, you really despite like no favors happen <laughs> for, for me, me and some of the, the people that support this program, talk on a uh-huh. weekly basis and kind of set little goals for the week. Oh, nice. And um, we call it the human focus group. And uh-huh. I've been, I've been, I'm in a time of doing this solo. And so I have to re- reach out to guests. I have to really hustle right now uh-huh. to keep this program alive and going and keep the, you know, figure out a way to build the community in a stronger, more connected way. Right. And I've had on the list for, well over a month like reach out to guests reach out to guests and i just couldn't do it and so nothing's happening of course because i'm just sitting there Uh in this defeated place and i I wrote the other day just informally on on instagram I, i wrote about how glad i was willing to try to try because it wasn't sexy action that was happening Right. But I would wake up every day and be like, I'm going to do this. And I didn't. And it would be disappointing, but I'd wake up the next day and be like, I'm going to do this. Right. And so it was like trying to try. And what ended up happening is that spell broke for a second just long enough for me to get on that computer and start reaching out to people. Right. And it was like exactly as you're saying, living from the inside out, mm-hmm. I, it stepped into something. Uh, and all of a sudden friends are going, hey, I want you to meet this person. This would be a great guest. And hey, I want you to do this. Right. But it followed this connection to right. that, what you're talking about. I love that you're say, sharing that because that's where I am right now. Because I don't know if I've shared with you, like I've lost my family and it's taken me a while to move through that grief. So both my sisters and my parents, right, they're gone. And that's it's kind of a trip. You know, it's like compounded grief. And it's like. I see lately that um, I really need to look at that, you know, because I'm realizing that you was talking about reaching out, that like I kind of fooled myself into believing that I was over it, like 
or over it that I moved through the grief. And what I'd done instead is like I masked it. Like I just kind of created this shield around my heart. And because I didn't want to feel that pain anymore. It was just, it's, you know, little things, you know, you miss the nicknames, you know. Yeah. The nicknames my sisters gave me is it's like nobody knows those. You know what I mean? You miss little things like that. So I realized lately that that I it just hardened my heart. Yeah. I built a shield around myself and and that the only way forward for me is to be willing to be vulnerable, to trust life, to open up and amazing things are happening out of that because of that, you know? So it's it's really interesting when you are willing to trust life, to to be vulnerable. And yeah, and then people just it's just you're in flow and people reach out and they, oh yeah, sure. It's just easy, like you're saying. It's like yeah. it's it's wild. It might seem easy to write an email. Not easy. But... Yeah, it might seem easy to like write an email with your yeah. website and send it out like if you're a visual artist to a gallery. But only artists know what it's like to sit at that email. <laughs> and if you've managed to type it out right. to then click send. Right. Yeah, my motto right now is just keep trying to try because I can be so hard on myself mm. for not getting the action done and sitting at the end of a day and going, shit, I didn't do it. Right. Yeah. I didn't do it. But I, I think there's something to holding that space. I mean, I worked unhappily at a company for four years and it was a great company and it was a good position and I uh -huh. could pay my bills basically, uh -huh. barely, but uh -huh. basically <laughs> I said for years that I'm going to do my own thing. I somehow managed to hold that space. It was like silly. Like you think after talking about it for four years, you're just going to go, shut up, Sam, you know, <laughs> shut up. You're not going to do it. But what ended up happening is I got laid off. The company was spiraling and uh, I got laid off. And I guess that was what it took. Oh, my God. We're totally twins. That's what happened to me. Really? <laughs> <laughs> the job literally just, the office just closed. Yeah. Like, really? Wow. It's okay. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this then. Right. You know, I got a service package. I was like, wow. <laughs> I had this moment where yeah. am I going to start gonna another four-year cycle right? of yeah. talking about doing this thing? Right. Yeah. I'm so glad you, you did it. I'm so glad you stepped into it and are still doing it. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you're doing this. It's beautiful. There's a lot of people that I've been considering having on the podcast and uh -huh. it just wasn't quite it wasn't quite a match because right now in my life I need people who can find hope in hopelessness. <laughs> you know, and can right. who understand what it's like to to not know if you have the energy to go any further or not know if it's even worth for, you know for me brushing my teeth that's how bad it can get sometimes right. where i'm just so down it's just like i don't even see the point in brushing my teeth mm -hmm. i guess how do you let your life which has been i don't like to compare people's roads or, or journeys because i think they are different but mm -hmm. you've You've had a long road to get where you are. Mm -hmm. You've really earned your seat, <laughs> you know, in, in life. Mm -hmm. And to, to, to be here and have uh, some sense of peace and balance is really, um, it's an accomplishment all of its own, you know, to have made this. Mm -hmm. We're in your place talking about your art because mm -hmm. you, ma you made this place for yourself. And... Right. How do you take your story and make it something that you can continue on with, even through the thoughts of, you know, because when you go through some of these things, it can, it can leave this impression that you're wrecked now, mm -hmm. that you're stained now because of this thing that happened or that you'll never be able to, you know, compete on an even playing field. Mm-hmm. How do you make your story something you can, 
adopt or really live into. Mm-hmm. I guess that's something that I'm trying to do too. Is trying I'm trying to include it all because I think like what you were saying with my heart got hardened. Mm-hmm. I think part of that process meant ignoring some of the shit that I had to go through right, to yeah. get here, right? Uh-huh. Because I wasn't fully ready to adopt it into the spirit the question would be how do you take it all Mm -hmm. and make it something that you can work with and live with and love how do you do it or why do you do it or all of that all of it it really feels like no choice even though there are days that i choose not to yeah you know um like literally like what's written on my heart is to inspire people to choose their lives, you know? And, um, and one of my mentors, she's, she poses a question like, you know, when it's, I'm moving through a challenging day, she's like, well, what if everything that's happened to you so far is absolutely perfect? You know? And I love that she posed that to me, you know? And because although I would not recommend losing your family, (laughs) you know, and having your heart, just broken. I feel like those experiences have shaped who I am. It's like a master's course in compassion because I could have chosen to to be an asshole, you know, to be bitter and to say the world sucks, you know, I got screwed, all that, you know. Instead, I chose to well, I, I choose to because it's, it's a practice, right? Um, I choose compassion. You know, I choose. I choose love. You know what I mean? Even when it's, it's fucking hard because it's like people can be assholes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It takes a lot to just to not get sucked into that and just say, you know what? I really wish you the best, you know, or. You know what I mean? It's like to choose compassion. It's, it's just, it just feels like that's what I'm supposed to do. And, um, when I choose otherwise, I just don't feel right and nothing goes right. But when I choose compassion and listen to my heart, live from the inside out, things happen, you know, not just for me, for other people. I mean, I definitely have more questions than answers. What I know for sure is is when I follow what's written on my heart, I feel alive. You know, I was hanging out with uh, I have this new opportunity to um to um work with elementary school kids and we wrote this song together. I'll play it for you. It's called We Are All Stars and it's like <laughs> so fun. It's like to be with kids, you know. And they're not all perfect. Some of them are jerks. Because <laughs> it's like they're fourth and fifth graders. So it's like the edge of innocence, you know. And I'll be working with second graders next because that'll be like magic land. But anyway, so you get to see what it's about. You know, you live from the inside out and you get to inspire these little souls, you know, who are growing into themselves. That they can they can live from the inside out. That they can be who they want to be, you know, and through music. And so... I guess what I'm getting at is I'm just supposed to do it. It's just clear, you know, even when I don't want to do it. When I don't want to do when I don't do it, things don't work. Life doesn't work. I mean, it works. It's just, it's like I'm resisting life. And so life yeah. resists me. Yeah, I know. So, you know like... When I step off the path, things go wrong there is i get beaten i feel like i get beaten back onto the path (laughs) i do i do i was always the kid that got in trouble you know for certain things and other kids didn't and i always felt like so i felt it felt so unfair at the time and so there's this whole string of bad shit happening and where other people just kind of got to skate through the same stuff you know Mm -hmm. and Yeah, I don't know what the path looks like. I don't know where it's headed. 
but I know what it feels like uh-huh. because what it feels like is not everything completely going wrong all the fucking time. Like, I feel like there's some, there's some grace to the order of things because right. even a thick head like mine gets a clear enough message uh, that this is not right, right, even though those messages can be really painful sometimes. Right. I like to end this way, Jr. And, I, and mm-hmm. if I could pull out a phone and on the other end was was a younger you, mm-hmm. uh, a you who didn't feel safe and didn't find worth and right. didn't know that she was going to have this voice and message come out of her, mm-hmm. and you could just pick up the phone and talk to this little girl, what what would you tell her? What would be the message that she can operate on for a little bit until she remembers who she is. I quite simply just listen to your heart, you know, but more than that, to follow it, follow the messages that come through. I mean, there's just so many things that have happened for me and people that have come into my life, beautiful experiences when I was just, open my heart you can trust that and you're safe it may not seem that way it may not make any sense but um there is really power in love and you can trust that yeah you know because culture will tell you that there's just one way to go there's one way one and it's the way of the mind you know but there's so many different ways, and your way is love and compassion, and trust it. The invisible art of the heart is something you can believe in, and that will carry you through whatever. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Sam. And what better way to wrap this up than to hear the song that her and her elementary school class wrote together? Here is We Are All Stars. I can be like a thunderstorm throwing lightning. I wanna be a starry night sky, calm and quiet. I can be like a I want to be a sunny day shining, making people happy. The sun rises higher than the dark storm clouds. All I see is you shining bright. And like twinkling stars burning bright, giving light. We can all be stars if we try. We are all stars when we try. We are all stars when we try. We are all stars. We are all stars We are all stars I can be like a volcano erupting Turning things to ash like water cooling things down instead I can be like a cloud not letting the sun in I want to be the sun bringing light and shining on everyone
The sun rises higher than the dark stone clouds. All I see is you shining bright, and like twinkling stars, burning bright, giving light. We can all be stars if we try. We are all stars when we try. We are all stars when we try. We are all stars. We are all stars. We are all stars.